Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. How wonderful it is to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop in this first week of the new year. And I found this to be a perfect time to take a look into our crystal ball. If you'll gaze in as the mists part, you may see things that happened in 2023 that for yours truly are only now coming to light. So let's dispense with the pomp and circumstance and pull out the kinetoscope as we take a look at the things we missed in 2023. So this is an episode, we started doing this last year because uh, this year, much like last year, I found that I just couldn't get to every movie. Whether it's a movie that I didn't have playing at any of my local theaters within a... Uh, 35 mile radius uh, or if it was something where it conflicted with other movies that I wanted to talk about or other TV series that I wanted to talk about and I just kind of ran out of time within the week or some movies that I just didn't feel as passionate about watching and talking about as I probably should have but I certainly can't watch every movie or TV series or what have you uh, in horror, fantasy, and science fiction. And it's just not possible, especially when you get so much that are released to theaters. You get so much that are released to various streaming services exclusively or various video-on-demand offerings. I just can't watch everything. But there were some big things that I did not watch in 2023, either big movies or things that got a lot of buzz or got a lot of accolades and a lot of talk about them. Uh, I just didn't get a chance to watch them. So I always like to make a short list of movies and even TV series sometimes that I didn't watch the year prior that I wish I maybe had. And I like to go back and watch those. And I got on the ball with this right away and kind of powered through. I had a, about a week off here in between Christmas and the New Year. And I spent a lot of that time watching some of these movies that I missed earlier in the year that I kind of wish I had seen. So I could have talked about them. And we I've watched them. It's about six movies. And we're going to just give my brief thoughts on these movies, whether I liked them, whether I didn't. If you have seen them, maybe you'll agree or disagree. If you haven't seen them, maybe it's something that you want to give a try. But before we get into the movies that I missed in 2023, I do have to make a correction to our end of the year episode. Because in the end of the year episode, I like to go through horror, fantasy, and science fiction and give my favorites, the things I thought were the best of the year. And then I like to go through the handful of things that I thought were the worst of the year. And there was a movie that I completely left off my worst of the year list 
because I never actually did an episode on it. And usually when I'm going back, I'm going back through the things I've talked about on the podcast. But this was a movie, it did not come out in any of the movie theaters around me when it did have its theatrical run. And it didn't release to Shudder as soon as I thought it would. I waited for quite some time for this to come out on Shudder because it is a Shudder produced movie and it just took forever so I ended up renting it video on demand and watching it and I was like I'm glad I didn't do an episode on this because this sucks and I would have to say that this movie was definitely one of the worst of 2023 if not the worst movie of 2023 now take into mind that I never watched the Flash movie and I did not watch the new Aquaman movie in 2023. And I, at this point with DC, until James Gunn starts his run of DC movies that he's in charge of, I, I just don't care about DC anymore. And that's saying something when I just don't give a shit if I watch something uh, when Marvel is doing some of the things that they're doing and I still watch them. So that, that says a lot about DC and where they're at right now and hopefully James Gunn can write that ship. So I didn't watch those movies, but this movie had to be the worst movie of 2023 and that is the new adaptation of Children of the Corn. It came out in March of 2023, uh, directed and written by Kurt Wimmer and just an abomination of a movie. The movie took Stephen King's wonderful short story and just bastardized it. And it's not even the changing the main characters to, to girls. It wasn't even that. It was just the whole treatment of the story, trying to make it some environmental treatise, trying to make it a patriarchal thing, trying to make it all these other things. The story's not. The story's just a scary fucking story. And Kurt Wimmer ruined that and, and took everything that was scary out of it. Instead of doing He Who Walks Behind the Rose as this sort of disembodied entity, kind of like they did in the 84 version of Children of the Corn. I mean, we saw some really shitty special effects that kind of brought it to life, so to speak there at the end of the movie but for the most part it was this disembodied entity they made it this shitty cg corn monster and it just looked so bad and it was so stupid i would have even been happy with you know there's a lot of thought that he who walks behind the rose is randall flag from the from the stand and i would have been more pleased with it if they had done something like that but just the movie was horrible uh, the way they treated the story was horrible. It deviated so much from Stephen King's original short story that it just, it was so unwatchable. I could not wait until this movie was over. Uh, I, you know, I spent good money on it. So by God, I'm going to watch it. I'm not one of these jackasses that put down their money and then walk out of a movie theater, you know, buck up and, and finish watching the movie. But I could not wait for this movie to be over because it was so bad. And like I said, such a bastardization of Stephen King's source material. And you get so much of that these days with Stephen King adaptations. The writers and the directors think, I want to see their vision of what Stephen King should have done or what Stephen King could have done. I don't give two squirts about what you think. I want to see Stephen King's work on the screen. I want to see Stephen King's characters on the screen. I don't give a shit what you think about them. I don't 
give a shit of what you think about how they were written when they were written as compared to how people are today. I don't give a shit about your political stance. I don't give a shit about your social stances. I want to see Stephen King's work brought to life on the screen. That's not to say that uh, a fairly accurate adaptation like Pet Cemetery or I, I wouldn't call 84's Children of the Corn an accurate adaptation because they did add a lot to it. But for the most part, the first uh, first half of the movie is pretty accurate to the Stephen King short story. But just because you stay accurate like other adaptations doesn't mean you have to make a shot-for-shot shot remake. Uh, you can do things different style-wise, uh, framing shots and uh, with characters and, and writing and casting. You can make a, an accurate adaptation different from another accurate adaptation just by the production design. Stephen King's stories are so rich and so I mean, you could put any short story and make a, a two-part movie out of it half the time. Uh, there, there are ways that you can choose to address things in a short story or a novel that other King adaptations chose not to address. Uh, there are ways to make accurate King adaptations that are totally different from one another if you're adapting the same source material. And... Filmmakers today are too fucking lazy to figure it out. It was like, uh, I just want to do this story because I think this is cool and I want to slap Stephen King's name on it and I want to get paid. And that's what the Children of the Corn new adaptation that came out earlier this year, that's what it was like for me. And that's why one of the worst, if not the worst thing to come out of 2023 in horror or just in movies in general. So now that I've got that out of the way, Let's get in to some of the movies that I didn't watch in 2023, but uh, finally got a chance to watch them and what I thought of these movies. And we're going to start out with a movie. You know, I I talked about Skinamarink and how fucking weird Skinamarink was. It wasn't the only weird movie. We've got a couple on this list that are really bizarre movies. Uh, one more so than the other. But this movie, it was bizarre and odd, but it wasn't as bad as Skinamarink or the other movie we're going to talk about. But that is Infinity Pool. This was a weird movie to watch. Uh, directed and written by Brandon Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son. And it really feels very Cronenberg-esque. I mean, you get a little bit of body horror with this uh, aesthetically, it just kind of has that feel. Uh, it, this movie, just the feel and the vibe of it really reminded me, and the pace of it reminded me of David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. But this is one of those movies where when I finished watching it, I'm like, what the hell did I just watch? I can't say I loved this movie because I didn't love it, because it was just, it was so odd and so bizarre, but I was so captivated by it that I can't say I didn't like it. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård and Mia Goth I thought were really good in this movie. It had an interesting sci-fi story that delved into some horror. You get a little, like I said, body horror with this. It's definitely a psychological movie with a twist ending that I didn't not see coming. But I thought this was a kind of a, a cool movie. It had lots of message, you know, the duality of man, how we act normal in polite society, but how we act when consequence isn't a factor. It was a story about the rich 
and how you can essentially buy accountability. But this was a beautifully shot movie. There were some amazing shots, a lot of play with color, uh, a lot of psychedelic, trippy scenes with double exposures and overexposures. Uh, it was a long movie, and it probably could have been cut down by, I don't know, maybe... 20 minutes if they had just cut out like two scenes uh there were some really long scenes and i can't say that i didn't feel bored in a couple points but then something would happen that would draw me back in and capture my imagination and make me okay now i'm back into the story but definitely infinity pool worth a watch if you like science fiction if you like science fiction that delves into a bit of a, a psychological horror and brendan cronenberg is a, a great young director that i i can't wait to see more from him and uh, uh, certainly doing his father proud. But uh, you can check that out. I believe it's still on Hulu as we speak. Another movie that I watched, and I wanted to watch this when it came out and just never got a chance. There was a lot going on at the time as far as uh, things that I was trying to watch to get episodes out on. But this movie, when I saw it came out on Netflix, I didn't even watch it then because there again is... Felt like I, I had other things I had to prioritize over an animated film. But this came out in June of 2023. And I'm so glad I finally got a chance to watch it. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I really loved Into the Spider-Verse that we got here, what was it, a couple years ago. Uh, I really love the cast. Uh, Oscar Isaac is a great addition to this cast. But so many wonderful voice actors and actors in this. And I will say that this movie, though, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the first Miles Morales Spider-Man uh, Into the Spider-Verse movie. Because this one spent too much time in that Nouveau New York in Spider-Man 2099's world with this uh, building. It's almost like the Avengers of Spider-Man. <laughs> All the Spider-Men that are there. They spent too much time there and it just felt very, like just too many chase scenes and nothing that really addressed the story that I wanted to see. And that was the story with Spider-Man and the spot and where things were going. This whole thing in this 2099 universe that, that they spend a lot of time in this movie on, it all just felt like, uh, again, Miles Morales reaffirming that he is Spider-Man. And I thought we saw that in the last movie. Uh, it was interesting that they divulged that the spider that bit Miles Morales came from another dimension or another universe and that that world doesn't have a Spider-Man because that spider ended up coming to his dimension and biting him and that's why the Peter Parker of that world had to die because Miles Morales was becoming Spider-Man. That was all very interesting, but you could have handled that in a shorter scene and not just spent so much time in this because then... I, that is, it was that point with all the chase scenes and whatnot that I, I found myself getting really bored and like, ah, oh, this, this just movie just keeps dragging on and the movie's only an hour and 40 minutes, but it's when they got back to what Miles Morales feels is his home universe uh, to find out that he's not there. He's in the dimension or the universe that 
doesn't have a Spider-Man because the spider was taken from that universe. Uh, you know, you got to watch the movie if you haven't watched it. Uh, and there's going to be spoilers. I probably should have said that from the beginning. But that bit of the story was very interesting. That, to me, that's the story I wanted to see. We only got like maybe a half hour of that at the end of the movie. And, of course, they left it on a cliffhanger with Miles Morales meeting this Dimensions version of him who is kind of a villain, I guess. Uh, the Prowler that we saw in Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, I really wanted to see where that story was going, but they rolled credits, and that's where we're going to see Beyond the Spider-Verse, the third installment in this uh, series, which I'm really excited about because, like I said, that's when the story was getting good. And when I really got reinvested in this story and then they ended it too soon and I've got to wait for the next movie. So I, I really enjoyed this movie for the most part, as much as it leads into the part of the story I really wanted to see. But all the voice actors, Shameik Moore, Haley Steinfeld, Brian Tyree Henry, Lord Velez, Jake Johnson, Jason Schwartzman all did a fantastic job and that's just the tip of the iceberg there were so many other uh, great voice actors in this but uh, that made like the parts that i really was not invested in like i said that that bit that they spent way too long in nouveau new york with in spider-man 2099's universe the great voice acting and the fun voice acting that they had really made all of that at least watchable it's not like it was horrible it just i, I found myself getting really bored and like I, i've seen all this before now the next movie on our list of things that i did not watch in 2023 but i probably should have is Bo is afraid another one of those movies that uh, when it came out in theaters i think there were just a couple other things that i wanted to watch more than this and and this being like a long ass freaking movie like a three-hour movie i had to prioritize and i really it disappointed me at the time because i i'm a fan of ari aster i loved hereditary like many horror fans of course some horror fans not big uh, fans of that movie but uh I, but i also loved Midsummer. it was one of those movies that you're like what the fuck just happened but when it came to ari aster's third feature film bo is afraid i was really excited but then i think the runtime really scared me away and there were so many other movies that i wanted to watch or needed to watch for the podcast that when this came out in april 14th of 2023 i did not watch it and and i think the runtime you know, dedicating that much time, 179 minutes, I believe, to to a movie when I've got so much I'm trying to get done from my day job to two episodes a week, sometimes three bonus episodes and whatnot. Uh, I really wish I would have watched this, though, because this is the other movie that when you're talking about movies like Skinamarink that are just like, what the fuck did I just watch? This is definitely right up there. I mean, this is probably number two on the WTF movies of 2023 because this was such a weird, surreal, horror, comedy, thriller. I, it's really hard to pigeonhole this. And it's such a, a weird movie that I, I have to imagine A24 were like, okay, Ari, you gave us Hereditary, which is a, a hit everyone loves that you gave us midsummer which uh, maybe not quite as good as hereditary but still you know got a lot of buzz about this what do you want to do and ari aster said 
hold my beer. This is my bizarre opus that, uh, you know, the passion play that he wants to put on that nobody would finance just on a proof of concept for this movie. There's no fucking way. A24 is like, we owe you one, so we'll let you do this and just see what happens. And it was so weird. I I don't even know, like, as far as, like, storytelling-wise, I don't even know what the story was. I don't know where it ended. It was so bizarre, and it felt like there was a message there. But by the end of it, I had just seen so much, and it was in such sensory overload from just everything that had gone on in this movie with this character, Bo, who, I have to say, Joaquin Phoenix played this character. I think that's probably one of the saving graces of this movie, and the the part of the movie that kept me so captivated was the performances. I mean, you had great performance from Joaquin Phoenix playing all the different ages of the Bo character. It was cool to see Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan show up in this. Parker Posey wasn't in it long, but her scene was really uh, interesting uh, to say the least. But you had a lot of really good performances in this movie, and I think that's what made it enjoyable to watch, even though half the time I'm like, what the hell am I watching? And I can't even really tell you much about this movie uh, other than you just have to watch it and experience it for yourself. Because this definitely is, it's not a movie you're going to, I mean, you may be able to take something from it. uh, Because like I said, there's a lot of things in here that feel like metaphor, but it's just, there's so much of it. And it's hard to glean a clear and concise, this is what this movie means, this is what this movie is about. Even from a storytelling standpoint, you usually have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the journey has usually straight lines connecting those three points. Uh, Whereas this has so many zigzags and uh, the line circles around a point and then goes back. And it's, it's, it's all over the place is what I'm trying to say. And I, I can't even really fully explain what this movie's even about. It is a movie you have to experience for yourself. At least say to say you watched it once. Because from a filming standpoint, I mean, the, the film was stunning to watch. It was interesting to watch. It was, it, at some points, beautiful to watch. The performances were wonderful performances. It just is so fucking nonsensical that I just, I, I'm still, to this day, trying to figure out what I saw and why I saw it. But Bo is Afraid, definitely a movie I did not watch in 2023. I can't say that I'm glad that I did, but in a way, I kind of am glad I got to experience that. So we're halfway through the movies that I didn't watch in 2023, but finally got a chance to watch and finally get a chance to talk about. And the last two are probably my two favorite. But this next one probably has to be the least favorite movie that I watched post-2023 that uh, that I, I probably should have watched and talked about earlier. But now I'm almost kind of glad I didn't not waste an episode. I never feel like I'm wasting an episode because I think... Every movie deserves being talked about, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not. I believe, you know, if I take the time to experience something and talk about it, I'm sure you have as well. And and that's kind of what it's all about, just talking about the experience of of cinema and, and what we see on the screen. But this is a movie that I just, 
Uh, for so much of it that there was to like, there was a lot that I just didn't like and just didn't enjoy in this movie. And that's uh, Usuera the Bone Woman, which Usuera is, uh, I'm probably butchering that uh, Spanish word, but uh, it actually means bone woman. There's lore in Mexico of this Usuera and she's the bone woman. She collects bones, mainly bones of uh, wolves. And then she sings a wolf when she's collected all these bones, sings a wolf into existence from the bones. And then the wolf turns into a woman and goes off and, and does her own thing. Uh, I could see the relation between that and this movie. Uh, it's really probably not a movie that is geared towards me this movie definitely is one that plays off fear of motherhood that a lot of women experience it also plays off of uh, issues of sexuality that that some women who uh, maybe feel forced into one direction but their feelings and their heart is pulling them in another direction in the hispanic community where catholicism is a major tenant of that community in a lot of places uh, i could see where this is probably a bigger issue the the issue of sexuality is probably a bigger issue than it is for most people in 2023 so this movie again not necessarily geared towards me but uh as an audience but for me i the, the main character valeria i just didn't like her and it didn't have anything to do with the confusion about motherhood the confusion of sexuality it more uh, dealt into she was a very selfish character and a self-serving character and just was not very likable and you should like her in this movie she is your main protagonist and I, yeah i just i didn't care for her like i said she was a very selfish character now played very well a lot of the acting and this is a spanish language film so it's all in subtitles and i'm i'm always leery about that because when i'm listening to sub or watching subtitles i'm afraid i'm missing some of the dialogue when i'm trying to pay attention to the screen and i'm missing some of the screen when i'm trying to pay attention to the dialogue but you get a better sense of the acting when you watch it that way as opposed to watching it with overdubs because as netflix has shown us uh, they have some of the shittiest uh, overdubbing in the history of film. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on that limb, but uh, you did get a lot of really good performances, especially the uh, actress who plays Valeria. Uh, it is a wonderfully shot film. Michelle Garza Severa, she is the first time I believe this is the first time with a feature film uh, directing. She also co-wrote the movie. Did a really good job. I mean, this movie had atmosphere. This movie had creepiness. I mean, this delves into a lot of supernatural aspects in the story. And it, it really uh, felt a little more psychological than being actual horror. There was a, even, I think, a little bit of body horror in this, you could say. But it was a visually stunning film to watch. And from a directing standpoint, I think that it was really interesting in that regard. It just felt very long because it is a slow burn. I mean, this isn't uh, just over an hour and a half long, an hour and 33 minutes, we'll say. But it felt so much longer than that. Because it is a slow burn, because you had a protagonist that I didn't really like. I started out liking her, but then just the more you get to live with this character, the more she just 
isn't a very good person because she is stringing everybody along. She is very self-centered. First I want a baby, then I don't want a baby. And it, it just, you have, if you haven't watched the movie, you have to watch it to understand. I'm trying not to be too overly spoilery if anyone hasn't watched this, but it, it was an interesting movie to say the least. Uh, the least favorite of the movies that I watched here for this episode that I missed in 2023, but certainly not one of my least favorites of the year. We'll put it that way. But for all the character issues I had with this movie, it, it was a very interesting and stunning movie to watch with some pretty creepy moments. Uh, I just wish there were more of those creepy moments. Now, the last two movies we're going to talk about in this, so uh, what we missed in 2023 episode, uh, they're both slasher films. And for my money, two of the movies that I missed in 2023 that I really wished I had taken the time to watch because they turned out to be pretty good and really enjoyable. And the first one we're going to talk about is the Swedish film. You can watch it on Netflix, uh, The Conference. That came out this uh, past October. And I, again, this is another one of those foreign language films that when I started watching it, I tried to watch it with the Netflix overdubs because if I can hear the dialogue instead of having to read the dialogue, I can pay attention to what's going on on the screen. And that's really what, I, you know, it's how you get the atmosphere. That's how you get the feel of a movie. But the overdubbing was so bad. The acting was so bad and the voiceover actors that I watched the probably the second act of this movie with the original Swedish language and and had the subtitles on. And there again, it's, you know, you got a really good sense of the acting and the acting is so much better and so much more natural than you get with the overdub actors. But there again, I felt like I was missing things. So I ended up watching about the third act of the movie with the overdubs on again. So I could pay attention to what's on the screen and pay attention to the action of this movie, but this movie directed and written by Peter Eklund, starring Katya Winter. Uh, it really was a fun horror. I mean, it's considered a horror comedy, uh, leaning into like black comedy, but for my money, the comedy just didn't work in this. I don't know there was something in Lost in Translation from Swedish to English, or if there are things in terms of phrase that are funnier in Sweden than they are here. But I just, uh, the, the humor didn't land that much with me. There were characters that were supposed to be humorous that were just more annoying. And I think maybe they probably were supposed to be annoying. But uh, like I said, the comedy of it was kind of lost on me. Now where this movie did excel was the slasher aspect of this. It's a story that you can kind of see who the slasher is supposed to be coming a mile away. Uh, they make references to certain things that if you put two and two together and they even spell it out towards the end, even though you never actually see the person behind the mask. But the slashing part of it was really good. There was a lot of creepy scenes. This guy running around in this big oversized mask looks like a cross between uh, one of the Keebler elves and uh, Bob's big boy <laughs> running around killing people in all sorts of grotesque ways with all 
sorts of tools and other implements of destruction, machetes and chainsaws and and razor wire and stuff like that. It was really good. And there were some very suspenseful moments and there were some very gory moments. They did a lot of really good things with practical effects and they did a lot of good things with some body horror that were just fun to watch from a horrifying, terrifying standpoint. And and I really liked the end of this because it was a situation where, you know, you think this is going to be like your typical slasher film and there's going to be a final girl and she's the only one that survives. But it was it was interesting to see that there wasn't just one survivor in this. And while people make mistakes in their judgment, uh, there are people that in this movie are a lot stronger than you would normally give them credit for in a slasher movie, which is why they probably survive. And I really liked that. I liked that it subverted my expectations a little bit because I expected everyone to die except for our lone hero and Bob's your uncle. But I really enjoyed this movie. I thought this was a a fun take on a slasher film that tried to add comedy that didn't quite work, but it didn't wreck the movie for me because the slasher aspects of this, which it doesn't take long to to jump right into it. And, and I enjoyed that about it as well. The fact that it didn't take halfway through the movie for us to get some slasher killer action. I thought this movie really did that well enough that the fact that the comedy didn't work didn't bother me because I, you know, I'm very selective when it comes to horror comedy. I'd, I'd rather my horror movies be horror movies and my comedy movies be comedy movies. And when a horror comedy comes out that gets them both right, that's a special thing. But if they can at least get the horror right, I'm okay with the comedy not working. And that's kind of where you get with this movie the conference is the comedy didn't work but that's okay because the horror works so well in this now our last movie and probably one of my favorites uh if not my favorite of the movies that i missed in 2023 it's a movie my wife and i both wanted to watch and we finally got a chance to watch this i really wish we had watched this sooner because this is another horror comedy where both the horror and the comedy really worked well with this it's the movie totally killer on amazon prime and i really dug this because it it takes those time travel movies of the 80s and puts a horror twist on it and and i really liked that i I love the acting the acting was all really good from actors that I'm not terribly familiar with. I mean, Julie Bowen, I knew her from Modern Family. Uh, Lachlan Monroe, I've, I've seen him in several things. I think he was actually in one of the recent episodes of, I can't remember if it was Black Mirror or Creep Show, but uh, always does a good job. Uh, Liana Liberato was another actress that I recognize. Of course, she played the Quinn Bailey character in Scream 6. Uh, my wife and I watched her, and based on a true story, she played the, the Tory character, so it was nice seeing her show up in this. But as for the other young actors, I wasn't terribly familiar with, and, and I just... I thought this movie really nailed the comedy because it plays into this girl. She's a a Gen Z from 2023 going back in time to the 80s and that kind of fish out of water scenario where all the things that uh, that are no-nos in today's society uh, were 
You're running rampant uh, back in the 80s. We were no holds barred. We were the feral kids. And this that kind of that fish out of water humor was really funny. There had to be a bit of suspension of disbelief in this movie because the girl that creates the time machine, she's a high schooler, but she's doing it off the notes that her mom did. Her mom works in a factory, but she's a, a genius and never got her chance to, and, you know, it's, it, it's all kind of ridiculous and silly, but again, it's time travel. It's suspension of disbelief. Uh, those things have to go hand in hand because time travel isn't real, but I like the, the mixture of that sci-fi aspect and the serial killer aspect. And again, this was an interesting serial killer. Uh, again, another masked killer, which, uh, you, you know, thanks to Michael Myers, uh, you know, you have to have a mask on your serial killer in the in the 80s. But uh, it's a kind of a play off the Max Hedrum character, the mask that the serial killer wears. But I have to say, some of the kill scenes and some of the serial killer scenes were actually quite brutal and quite chilling. I mean, that first scene with Julie Bowen and the serial killer was, I mean, that had me kind of tensed up and that had me kind of on the edge of my seat. It was very chilling and the way it ended was quite brutal. And, and a lot of the kills in this were very brutal kill scenes. And I think that's what I appreciated about this horror comedy because in so many horror comedies, uh, there's no distinction between the horror and the comedy because they try to put too much comedy into the horror. And I think where this worked is the comedy was the comedy, but the horror was the horror. And they didn't try to put too many jokes into the horror of it. They let the horror be a horror scene and, and they filmed it quite well and they, they played it quite well as a horror scene and i think having that delineation between the horror and the comedy is what made it really work as a horror comedy for me because i think that's probably what i hate most about horror comedies is you have too many horror comedies that try to put too many jokes and too much uh, slapsticky humor into the horror i mean it feels like scary movie when some of these horror comedies try to put too many jokes into the what should be a horror scene what should be a kill scene and Totally Killer rocked the whole idea of a horror comedy and making the horror separate from the comedy. And Nanachka Khan, who directed this, I, I thought did a wonderful job with this movie. I I'm not really familiar with her work. I know she hasn't done much in the way of feature films. Uh, she's done a bit of television. Uh, she's done some stuff for American Dad. Uh, she did The Young Rock, Fresh Off the Boat, some animated stuff. Uh, Recess and Pepper Ann, things like that, things I've heard of. But uh, but as far as a feature film director, I thought she really put everyone on blast that she knows what she's doing and she's good at what she does. Because this movie, for everything that the writing did right with the horror and the comedy, she really put it all together on the screen and got some really good performances out of some young actors that... I wasn't terribly familiar with. I mean, some of them looked familiar, but when you look up their IMDb filmography, it's like, ah, I never watched anything these kids are in. And the fact that she got the performances that she did and, and told the story that she told, uh, I really can't wait to see what she does next. And hopefully she does something more in a, in a straight-up horror, or even if she does a horror comedy, I have no fear that she's going to do it right because she's one of the few directors out there that 
has gotten horror comedy right, at least to my liking. And of course, it's an 80s flick, so they, they had a really good soundtrack to this movie as well, which I, I quite enjoyed. And Nanachka Khan is, uh, you know, she's she's born in 73, I believe, so she's like a year older than I am. So I'm sure we probably listened to a lot of the same music, which was, which was always, a, it's always a joy to watch some of those nostalgia 80s movies that are coming out these days, playing off the nostalgia of that decade, uh, because there's always a fantastic soundtrack. But there you have it. Those are the movies I missed in 2023 and finally got a chance to watch. And for the most part, I enjoyed all of them in varying degrees. Totally Killing the Conference, probably my two favorites. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was was pretty good. Infinity Pool was okay. Bo is Afraid is freaking weird. Sarah the Bone Woman was... It was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. Uh... But none of them, I would say, were bad movies. And and I'm glad I got to watch all of them. And I wish I had watched them earlier in the year so I could have done more of a breakdown and had more of a, a conversation about these movies on a, on a full episode instead of just, you know, a few minutes here on this What I Missed episode that, that we... I, we've done this two years in a row now. It's probably something I'll, I'll do. I, I can't foresee any point in the future where I'll get to see every movie that I want to see in any given year. So uh, we'll do this again next year and take a look back at the things I missed in 2024. But until then, we've got plenty more coming at you. We've got an episode. We're going to talk about the Disney Plus series, What If. Uh, One of the things that Marvel is really nailing and really doing right uh, with the stories and with the characters, I've really been happy with everything I've seen thus far in the What If series. Also, plenty of movies and things coming out, so uh, lots more to talk about in the not-too-distant future on Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So, I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on the movies I missed in 2023. You can check out more about what's going on with the podcast, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we're always posting about horror, fantasy, and science fiction, and all the latest episodes. We'll talk to you about that on there. Uh, no matter where you listen to this podcast please leave a review five stars would be awesome whatever review you leave we do appreciate that share the podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction and as always please like follow subscribe to the podcast that way you can stay on top of all the latest episodes and bonus episodes that we're putting out um, multiple times a week so I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to my thoughts on uh, the things I missed in 2023. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.